No team goes into the season without a game plan. And Buffalo Wild Wings knows that football fans need a game plan that's built for game day glory. A game plan that should include 21 signature sauces and seasonings, a great lineup of beer taps, and an arsenal of wall-to-wall TVs. All those details make for a game day plan that can't be beat. So, win or lose, if you're a football fan, you still win at having the best game day atmosphere around. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Do it for you, because you're a football fan. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at the Ringer. Joining me under the line is Danny Kelly. Danny, how are you? I am doing excellent. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm, honestly, man, I'm pretty great. I, <laughs> I've been listening to the new XX album for the past 12 hours, and it's just, it makes my soul so happy. And then I also realized this morning that the, Steel, that the Steelers play the Chiefs this weekend, and the Packers play the Cowboys. Man, like, there's so many good games. I, I mean, it's, this is just, if you're a football fan, this is all you want this weekend. It's just the types oh, yeah. of games and the teams involved, and we're just going to get into it, man. Uh, we're just going to bring it. it down the same way we did last weekend. We're going to be welcomed a little bit later by Therese Paler of the Kansas City Star to kind of dig into the Chiefs a little bit. But other than that, just me and you, buddy. We're all on our own. <laughs> let's do this, man. All right. Let's start with uh, the game that I assume is just filling you with existential dread right now. <laughs> Your Damn Seattle man. Seahawks are visiting the Atlanta Falcons. I tweeted out something that Mark Susser from NFL.com uh, tweeted the other day, just kind yeah. of the differences in numbers between Earl Thomas and not having Earl Thomas and not having Earl Thomas, and your reaction was just priceless. I could just feel your fear coming through the internet. <laughs> I mean, if, yeah, like, Matt Ryan is just going to completely pick on the middle of the field all game. I think, uh, let's see if I can find the stats here. So on passes of 20-plus yards with Earl Thomas this year, they gave up, the Seahawks gave up, 388 yards on 12 completions and two touchdowns, grabbing three picks. Uh, so they, they gave up 12 completions in 11 games on 20-plus yards. In the six weeks without Thomas, they've given up 12 completions. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, on, on deep balls, 20-plus 20, uh, 20 yards, the, the Seahawks had been giving up 48, a 48 rating to quarterbacks. Guess what that rating is now? 108.9. <laughs> It's just like so easy to pass deep on the Seahawks now, which is weird because it's like never like that. Imagine you looking at Seahawks numbers as like other people watching a video of like a surgery. I mean, it's just the most (laughs) gruesome thing you could put on your computer. Yeah, it's just gross, man. So Uh, I don't know. Like I I wrote about the Falcons earlier this week and how amazingly like efficient they are on offense, which just fills me with more existential dread. Um, And... I mean, there's a few things that could go that could happen for the Seahawks that, that it could go their way. Like, there's a few things. Uh, Cam Chancellor's back in this game, which will be big. Frank Clark is back in this game. If the run game is kind of like a real deal now, then like that could help. But I don't know. It just doesn't look good. It, the the num like on paper, it doesn't look good for Seattle. So it's, what interests me is that, you know, we don't talk about this cover three that Seattle runs, just kind of famous, that they do other things, but it's the baseline of their defense, and Earl Thomas is such a huge part of that. Would you be surprised if they played a little bit more cover two in this game with no. Bobby Wagner actually getting deep in the middle of the field and kind of taking away a bigger sh- area of responsibility right. from whoever's playing free safety? Well, first of all, I think the Seahawks run a cover three primarily because they want to stop the run. So yeah. if they can if they can get like if they can get some stuffs early on in the game and have Atlanta kind of go away from just their run game, which honestly isn't probably all that likely, but if they can do that, then yeah, I can see them running more cover two. But the the Seahawks love to have that eight man box. They love to stop the run. That's like the number one priority for them. And so it just kind of depends on how the game goes, I think. But I do think, I mean, if you look at last week, the Seahawks pretty much took uh, took out the, the Detroit run game and then were able to do a little bit more in the back end. I think they ran a few more high, like two highest looks. Yeah. And that makes it really hard for, to like, for teams to pass on them. But it also makes it a little easier to run on them. Detroit doesn't have any sort of a run game. So that worked last week. But, you know, obviously with, with two good backs in Atlanta, it might be a little different this week. So... It, 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 I think it just kind of depends on how the game goes. I think they'd like to, though. I think, it, you know, getting a little help to Stephen Terrell in the middle of the field would probably be one of their, you know, one of their goals. 
And that's all well and good. They want to stop the run and everything. But if they're giving up 3.2 yards a carry and Matt Ryan has 350-yard touchdown passes, it doesn't fucking matter. I mean, that, that's right. kind of the concern. So yeah. I feel like that would be one way where you could take it away and just lighten everyone's load. Because that cover three, especially the way they play it with the corners playing so far outside sometimes, almost like it's man when there's somebody coming down the sideline, it puts such a huge strain on the free safety, and it just feels like right. against this Falcons team, who does a better job than anyone else simply by design of creating pressure points and zone defenses, that there's a way that it can just all fall apart. Yeah, and I think like the last time these two teams played, um, Shanahan did a really, really good job of kind of uh, – I don't know, trick plays isn't the right word, but he did a really good job of uh, designing plays that really confused the Seahawks' yep. zone defense in the back. And so, like, that you, Julio touchdown with it yeah. kind of leaked out. Exactly. And then you have like routes that go to tight ends. So basically, that they'll like do like a, like a switch, like a switch vertical switch release. I can't remember what it's called, something so like it, that. Yeah, switch verticals, which is actually. A huge thing that the Broncos used to do to try to take advantage of the Seahawks defense. Damn it. I hate that play. And it works really, really well against the Seahawks. And so basically what you have is you have the receiver on the outside run a slant. And then you have a tight end from the inside run, like what's essentially a wheel route. Yep. And that gets they the corner. They hit that to Hooper, right? Didn't they hit that to Hooper against so. the Seahawks? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So basically what happens is the cornerback runs inside with the receiver. And then the, the tight end runs the wheel route up the sidelines wide open. And uh, yeah, so so that that kind of stuff works on the Seahawks in their cover too. My my question is, are they going to run more man stuff and have uh, Richard Sherman follow Julio around? Because last time they played, Julio kind of went off, but when Sherman was in him was was guarding him, he he traveled with him a little bit, you know, into the slot and things like that. Uh, he did a pretty good job on him. I think I saw the stats. Uh, Shilkapedia from ESPN tweeted this out. Um, that he had, I think, three catches for 40 yards, and uh, Sherman had a pick on coverage of Julio when he was when he was following him around. And then other than that, Julio had, like, four catches for 99 yards and a touchdown when other people were on him. So, I don't know. It, it'll be really interesting to see if they decide to kind of switch up their strategy this time because they don't have Earl sort of holding it down in the middle, and, and maybe they need that boost from Sherman. So, I don't know. That, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, let's. We'll get to that. Let's. We'll get to just kind of how the Seahawks will do this overall in a second. I want to ask you first: yeah. Who do you think you know the, the hero of the day that we talked about last week? The guy that you're not necessarily talking about right now, but somebody we may be talking about on Monday. Who is that to you in this game? Let's let's say for Seattle. Yeah. So I mean, clearly, I think the the Falcons are the favorite in this one. So I, I went with Seattle as the underdog. I I think if the Seahawks win, we'll be talking about Deshaun Shedd having a really good game. Interesting. Right. Right now, the Seahawks are, I should say, at the end of the season, the Seahawks were 30th in the NFL against a team's number two receiver. And, and uh, that's per DVOA, Football Outsiders DVOA. So I'm I'm thinking, like, if Sanu and Gabriel can kind of get shut down and Sherman can follow Julio around, that gives them a, a decent chance to kind of mess up the, the, the Falcons' like whole pass offense, basically, because you got pretty good coverage receive, coverage linebackers on tight ends if they can figure out how to do that. So to me, if Deshaun Shedd can do a good job on those two and three receivers, then that gives them a chance. Yeah, and you know that's how they're going to try to exploit it. In this case especially, I feel like because of Gabriel, even a guy like Aldrick Robinson, and right. they, just the idea that, okay, we know that your defense is going to be taken out structurally of what it wants to be by virtue of Julio Jones. So we're going to use him in that way this game, and we're going to try to use Gabriel, use the other speed guys to take advantage of you down the field. I feel like that's yeah. what Atlanta's approach is going to be. And you're right. I mean, Seattle – they're never as good against the tight end as they should be. You know, it's kind of weird. Like, it's it's the one statistical hiccup with the Seahawks defense every year. But they're fourth in DVOA against running backs. I mean, Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright are going to eat some shit up. And yeah. I feel like that really takes away from Atlanta's ability to attack you there. So it feels like those number two guys are going to be more important to the Falcons here than they have been in any big game all season. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the crazy thing about the Falcons is they just can beat you in so many different ways. They yep. have... I you know this is off the top of my head. I want to say even Levine Tuilolo had a touchdown against the Seahawks last Tuilolo. time. 
Yeah, oh, so, so maybe like, it was too. Lolo had that was was through the wheel route. Maybe he was the one that did the switch vertical. I mean, they use Hooper yeah. on it too. I feel like Hooper got a big play against Carolina that I'm remembering. I, 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 they all blend together at this point. I the tight ends, man, they're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> they're all just yeah. It's like 13 players for the Falcons scored touchdowns. It's hard to keep track of who who it was against which team. But I want to say it was some random guy that I barely heard about, and I was like, he was wide freaking open for a touchdown. So. Um, yeah, I mean they're just gonna have to be really disciplined. I'll be I'll be watching to see if they change up anything in their strategy or if they just do the Pete Carroll thing and, and keep kind of doing what they do, the cover three, a lot of zone and stuff like that. So I don't know, man. Though it, it just I'm not optimistic. I'll put it that way. When I talked to Matt Ryan earlier this season, kind of just speaking to the variety of weapons they have before we move on, he said, the thing about depth is that it allows you to attack whatever a defense does well. You can do a lot of different things to win a game, and we're probably as deep as we've been since I've been around here. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's it. Like, that's it. I mean, you think about the Denver Definitely. game and how they could win that game. They're just different versions of the Falcons' offense that they could be whatever they want to put on a certain hat. Yeah, that's a great example. That Falcon, uh, the sorry, the the Denver game when they just got a bunch of big plays with running backs out of the backfield. Yep, it's like, I mean, how do you game plan for a team that literally can like move the ball in like twelve or fifteen different ways? It, it's just insane. It's fantastic. I mean, it's so, really, really impressive. It's the best designed offense in the league. When you combine that with having really good players, it helps. Right. I looked it up. It was Ty Lolo, 46-yard touchdown pass from Matt Ryan in the third go. quarter. So. Yep, there you go. It's that, and it's that play <laughs> we're talking about. So yeah. you know, make sure to, if you're watching the game, watch out for that. All right, yeah. buddy, let's do it. Let's build me a Seahawks upset. <laughs> oh, I could do that. Okay. I, I, I know you can. I'm, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> All right. So to me, number one. If Russell Wilson goes into his God mode version of Russell Wilson, <laughs> like, continue. that gives them a chance. And we've seen it a few times over the years. You know, Yes, sir. It hasn't been consistent enough for me to really feel like it's going to happen. But when Russell Wilson goes off, like he is really freaking good. So I think that gives them a chance on the road. We saw actually a couple of years ago when the, when the Seahawks played the Falcons in the Georgia Dome. Um, I think it was the divisional round also back in 2012. And Russell Wilson kind of just went off in the second half, put him in the lead with like 30 seconds left, and then the Falcons came back and hit a field goal to win the game. Um, but again, if Russell Wilson can do that, I think that gives him a chance. The other thing that's big is if Seattle can run the ball and kind of control the clock and, and grind out, you know, six and seven, eight minute drives pretty consistently, keep keep Matt Ryan off the field. I think that gives him a chance. And so if those two things happen, I'm putting it on the offense because I think. They're just gonna have to. They're just gonna have to keep up with Ryan in that in that in that Falcons offense. So I'm putting it on the Seattle Seattle offense. If they can have a really really good day, that gives them a chance. I agree with you. So I feel like the there are two things I'm gonna be watching for. One on one on each side of the ball. They need to run the ball. But that's exactly yeah. what they needed to yeah. do. And Rawls was good last week against a bad run defense, but he gets another one this week. So if that can be the basis right. of how they move the ball offensively, if they can just bleed this game out. I feel like that's going to be a really big thing for them. On the other side of the ball, I feel like one of the biggest changes that hasn't been talked about enough with what's allowed this Falcons offense to become this group that they are right now is the amount of stability they've had inside in terms of pass protection. That starts with Alex Mack, but the guards are still players that you can take advantage of with the right schematic stuff. And you think about Clark and Bennett, when they move inside in those packages, that's what yeah. they're, we're going to need to win. They're going to need to beat up those guards, collapse the pocket inside, not let Ryan move around subtly. Because if they don't do that, then he's got time to throw. I don't think the secondary has what, has what it takes to hold up against this group. Yeah, exactly. And I mentioned it earlier. I think Frank Clark was out this la the last time these two teams played. And I want to say Mike Bennett got hurt in the second half. So they played a pretty big portion of the game without two of their top pass rushers. So that could be something that's a little bit different for how this game goes this time around. I mean, obviously, Seattle won last time, and, and they won in a controversial manner at the end of the game there, and it wasn't Seattle. So there's a lot of different factors going on here. But um, I agree with you. I think you know the getting that interior rush could be a way that it looks quite a bit different this time than it did the first time around. All right, bud. What, what are you picking? I don't want to do this to you, but I got to. Well, I mean, I'm picking the Falcons. I, I went with them last week when we did our, our video shows, and I'm sticking with that. I just think 
I mean, if you looked at the way the Seahawks have gotten off to off to starts in their last four playoff games, it's pretty stark. It, it, the last time the Seahawks played on the road, it was at the Panthers, and they they went down thirty-one to nothing. <laughs> Uh, before that, it was the Vikings. It was that really, really cold game. Um, they lost nine to, or they started off nine to nothing going into that game, and then they came back in the fourth quarter. And then going back, there was that game I was talking about. They got they they went down to the Falcons twenty to nothing before Russell Wilson engineered a comeback. And the game before that, this was in twenty twelve, they went down to the Redskins fourteen to nothing before making a comeback. So it's like they always have to make these comebacks on the road. I feel like if they get off to a slow start this week against this offense i think it's it's curtains for the seahawks i just don't see them coming back from that so they need to get off to a fast start and i don't have faith that they will so <laughs> yeah they could be down 40 pretty quick i mean like that's that's yeah. the thing against this falcons exactly. team that being said it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit if the seahawks just said we're the seahawks it, it doesn't right. matter that earl thomas is not here <laughs> you know like if those guys on that defense those guys we've talked about for years just really took up the mantle and said we're going to do this like we're right. going to be enough uh, they have enough talent on that side of the ball to do it but again we talked about falcons offense all year i love them i love what they've done and i think they win this game so yeah i think mean, we're, we're in agreement i definitely feel like the seahawks could do it i just the way that i see it playing out it, it's not gonna happen all right buddy let's move on you know, we talked about that one for a while we're not gonna deal with this one houston <laughs> and new england i mean it's a 17 point spread i want to it's right. not that the Texans don't have a chance, but the Texans don't have a chance. <laughs> let's just do this in terms of let's go straight to kind of putting together an upset for Houston, because that's really what we're talking about here. We know what makes the Patriots good. We know what's going to make them good against any team, especially this one. It also helps that they're playing Brock Osweiler. Right. What version of this game could the Texans possibly win? Uh, the one where uh, Jadavian Clowney injures Tom Brady. Yeah, like in the second play of the game. <laughs> Even with that, though, I feel like Garoppolo is a much better quarterback than Austin than Prague Osweiler. The way that I the way that I see Houston being able to pull off an upset is is I mean pretty much along those lines. But it's not. I, I mean I'm kind of joking about that. But like not Clowney, really. No. Yeah, but, but Clowney making a few big plays, Whitney Merciless making a few big plays, having some of the guys on their front seven get like sack, you know, like strip sacks create touchdowns on defense things like that like that that to me is the only way they have a chance in this game so they need some big probably scoring plays from their defense in order to pull this off because i just don't see i mean it's this is the most obvious thing ever i just don't see brock osweiler keeping up with brady in the scoring department i totally agree i feel like they need some game swinging plays from those guys if they have any chance of winning this game it's going to be because Jadavian Clowney is the best player on the field right and that by a wide margin. And honestly, that's possible. You know, there's a yeah. chance, there's a game where he is the best player on the field. And you combine that with Merciless. We run into a few issues there, though. One, last year, and even in years past, where you could take advantage of the Patriots was up front. Their offensive line was equal parts injured, ineffective, <laughs> yeah. whatever. They had a lot of trouble in that area. They don't anymore. That offensive line has been together this entire season, more or less, yep. and the guys on the edges are playing extremely well. I mean, Nate Solder has been good typically when he's been healthy, and he's probably had the best season of his career, you could argue, this year. Marcus Cannon, who used to be a liability and used to be the obligatory sixth tackle, got a pretty healthy contract extension, and everyone was like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the way he's played this season. Right. So it just feels like where in years past this type of Texans team could take advantage, they're just not going to have that sort of route to beating this team this season. I mean, Cannon was second team all pro this year. It's ridiculous. He used to be yeah. a joke. <laughs> I know. I remember. Yeah, so it, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, it, it kind of negates a little bit the one thing that I think that Houston has going for him, and, and that's like talented playmakers in the front seven. Um, and, I mean, when you combine – talent and and, a, and continuity on that offensive line with Brady's ability to just get rid of the ball really quickly. Yep. Uh, it just makes it really hard for them to have a huge impact, I think. And so I, I don't see that happening. Um, I wrote down an interesting stat because right now, like if you look at the Patriots offense, it's, it, you know, obviously Gronk is not a factor. He's out. And Martellus Bennett hasn't been as big of a deal since Gronk went out because they're not using the two tight end sets quite as much. It's just not the same offense. Um, 
it's almost it's almost like the, the the Texans would want Gronk in because they're second in the NFL per DVOA against tight ends this year and 28th against running backs. And so when ding, Gronk ding, went out, ding. when Gronk went out, the, the Patriots just started throwing to the running backs a lot more, and that could be a problem for them because right now it's just they haven't proven that they can really defend that very well in coverage. I feel like the Texans' corners are an underrated group. You know, Bouye has been great. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Joseph has been healthy and played well. That collection of guys is as good or better than the talent New England has at wide receiver. Where right. the Texans are at a disadvantage is that they just can't cover guys like Deion Lewis. I feel like that's the guy we're going to be talking about at the end of this game. It's going to be Lewis and James White just picking on Bernardrick McKinney. I just feel like that's very yeah. possible. And Brian Cushing. Do you remember when these two teams played in the playoffs a couple of years ago? That's exactly what happened. They were motioning Shane Vereen out wide and doing all kinds of weird shit because they knew they could pick on Cushing. And I can't remember who the other other inside linebacker was at the time. That's going to drive me crazy. But just a guy that wasn't able to move <laughs> with those guys. And I feel like we're going to see the same type of approach from the Patriots. You know, Chris Hogan isn't going to beat up A.J. Bouye, but DJ, Deion Lewis can certainly shred Broderick McKinney in space. Yeah, and the Patriots have no shame when it comes to like just dinking and dunking. If that's what's you know yep. what's best, that's just if that's what's working best, they'll do it. They have no shame in that. And the Patriots I mean, don't see... have much shame as it relates to anything. <laughs> Good point. Um, so yeah, I mean that that to me was a, a really important deal. So yeah, I definitely agree that we could probably see uh, quite a bit of Deion Lewis in this game. Yeah, I think so, too. And the problem is for Houston, when you're looking at their offense, look at what they've done the last couple games. I want scatter play to DeAndre Hopkins, but in reality, it's a lot of tight ends over the middle. And New England is really freaking good against tight ends. I mean, that's just where their pass defense is pretty solid and has been for years. And it's because Devin Accordy's a freak in the middle. And... Tate Hightower can just freaking play. He can just right. play. So it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of ways for Houston to move the ball. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, Osweiler had a decent game last week. He had he made that one really big throw down the sideline to Hopkins. Um, <laughs> but, like, Our I, I don't... Our is so low. I know, and that's the thing. It's like, I just don't... Like, I still am not... I'm not, like, changing my tune on him. I still think he's a major liability for that offense, and... You know, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't see them scoring that many points. I mean, they're in Foxborough, which always is hard to play there. Last time this, these two teams met, I mean, Jacoby Brissett and the Patriots shut out Houston. So, I don't know. Like, I, there's a way to sort of, you know, build in your mind an upset like we kind of just did. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I mean, at this point, it's just a matter of whether Houston can cover, and I don't have a ton of faith in that either. I mean, it just seems like the Patriots haven't played in a while. They're going to want to just go at them, and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they ha- if they got a chance to. So who's your hero of the day? Uh, Deion Lewis. I, I feel like that's yeah. the guy we're going to talk about. I feel like he's a guy that can have seven catches for 90 yards and a touchdown totally. and you know, five carries for th- 38 more yards. Just a guy that consistently tore apart Houston's defense all day. Yeah, I'm, I'm into that. I I picked Brian Cushing, and I kind of looked at it like if the Texans win, yep. you know, like who's the guy that I think is going to be a bit like a big difference in the game? Because he didn't play the last time these two teams went went up against each other. Um, Houston's not very great against the run. They're 17th in DVO against the run this year, um, and so if he can kind of come in and, and and this time around really stifle the Patriots' run game and you know be a factor in terms of defending running backs out of the backfield things like that like if he's like playing all over the field i could see you know it, it he's the guy who could help keep it close but again i i don't see that happening yeah i got the I mean, patriots yep and i think they probably win by 17 or more like i honestly think that we could see that type of game all right, man, yeah. we're going to get to my favorite one of the weekend here. Before we do that, let's hear from a couple of our sponsors. No team goes into the season without a game plan. And Buffalo Wild Wings knows the football fans need a game plan that's built for game day glory. A game plan that should include 21 signature sauces and seasonings, a great lineup of beer taps, and an arsenal of wall-to-wall TVs. All of those details make for a game day plan that can't be beat. So, win or lose, if you're a football fan, you still win at having the best game day atmosphere around. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. We do it for you because you're a football fan. We're also brought to you by MeUndies. Picture a world where putting on a new pair of underwear isn't just fresh. You're stepping into a better day. Think about it. Underwear is the first thing you put on and the last thing you take off. Why would you settle for anything less than the best feeling underwear on the planet? 
MeUndies focuses solely on producing the most comfortable underwear you've ever experienced. My friends at MeUndies sent me a few pairs a while back, and now I can't imagine wearing anything else. It really makes each day that much better. For the price of two cocktails, MeUndies will deliver your new favorite pair of underwear right to your doorstep. It's a better day, guaranteed. Try them on, and if they aren't the most comfortable, best-feeling undies you've ever had, they'll refund you and let you keep your first pair for free. Included in the price is the sweet touch of Modal, a special fabric made with best-in-class raw materials that are scientifically proven to be three times softer than cotton. These uber-cozy undies are sold exclusively on the MeUndies website, where you'll enjoy free shipping in the U.S. and Canada. And for a limited time, everyone in our audience gets 20% off their first order. But you have to go to our special URL, MeUndies.com slash NFL Show. With the MeUndies Better Day Guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So don't wait any longer. Go to MeUndies.com slash NFL Show right now for 20% off your first order. That's MeUndies.com slash NFL Show. All right, buddy. Here we go. <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. Packers, Cowboys, I, I, the, oh, the two franchises, just like when they're on the field together, it looks right. And yeah, this game yeah. is just, it's going to be a hell of a show. I mean, if you can't get excited about this game, like this, to me, this is one of the premier matchups we've seen all year long. And I don't know how you top this right now because you've got the hottest quarterback in, you know, in the game right now, probably like, you know, potentially just like in a decade, <laughs> just the way he's playing right now. And then obviously the sort of the unstoppable force of the Cowboys offense. And it's just going to be a crazy fun game. It's going to be really, really great. And I think that you're totally right with Rodgers. He's just in his zone. The last time these teams played, it wasn't the same Packers team. I mean, they just right, weren't right. this group that they are now. So we can't throw that out necessarily, but we're going to see a much different type of outing this week. Is there any numbers that you found that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, so like obviously, I mean, we just have to say it because if you haven't seen it yet, in, in the last seven games, Rodgers has completed 70% of his passes for 21 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 121 passer rating. <laughs> so, and it's not like he's just doing something in the, in like, in the constructs of the offense and kind of just doing his thing. Like, it's not like they're, you know, they've designed some brilliant scheme to like make him good again. Like he's just playing out of his freaking mind, like, and, you know, making these incredible plays, like keeping plays alive. I've talked about it on Twitter a few times. Like when he sticks in the, like people talk about the, the great protection that he gets. And that's definitely true. But like he makes time for himself by the way he moves around in the pocket. Like, 100%. Not, every, not every quarterback does that. Um, so just the, the, the ability of, for him to keep plays alive, whether it's moving around in the pocket or, or moving around outside the pocket, um, you know, obviously he's just got this whip for an arm that can, that can, you know, throw a frozen rope pretty much anywhere on the field. And I don't know, he's just playing crazy, crazy good. The, the other stat that I had, and I think it'll be important this week because, um, I think Jordy Nelson has been declared out already. Yep. Earlier um, this morning, Schefter tweeted it. Yeah. So Devontae Adams, since these two teams played it, in the 12 game stretch since they played, he's caught 68 passes for 904 yards and 10 touchdowns in a 12 game stretch. So he kind of actually took off immediately after these two teams last played. Uh, whatever happened in that game, I don't know, but he kind of figured it out. And so he could be a big factor uh, with Nelson out this week. I think that's that's a guy to watch. Yeah, it's also the fact that they have Randall Cobb back now. I know Cobb's had kind of a rough year, but it just seems like the timing is pretty fortuitous where oh, yeah. you don't have to go to Geronimo Allison every play. You know, it's just the idea that now you get Cobb and Adams, so you combine that with some of the stuff they're getting with Jared Cook on the outside. It feels like he has enough, even without Nelson right now, to work with. Absolutely. And, you know, that's another guy that I had in mind. And Cook, Cook kind of has come on. Uh, I think he came back in week 11 from an injury, <clears throat> and he, he's been a very reliable third down. We talked about it last week, third down threat for Aaron Rodgers. And I actually wrote down this stat as well. Dallas is 30th in the NFL on DVOA against opposing tight ends and coverage. So There you go. You know, Cook, Cook could have a pretty big impact, maybe not touchdowns-wise, but just getting first downs and things like moving the chains, keeping the ball out of Dallas's offense's hands. It'd be interesting to see what they do if they move Cook outside, how they challenge him, you know, who goes out mm -hmm. there with him, because I feel like moving him out and trying to get some linebackers out of the box and play with Sean Lee a little bit allows you to run the ball a little bit better because that Dallas run defense has been pretty good. But if you can kind of take them out of where they want to be schematically, mm. then you have a better chance of taking advantage. Yeah, definitely. And 
Yeah, I mean, I, that that's definitely like, if you can take Lee out of the box, like he's such a heat-seeking missile in terms of the run game. Um, I think that's definitely an advantage that they'll maybe try and exploit. I don't know. Is he a a pretty good guy in coverage? I haven't necessarily studied him closely. Yeah. Yeah, he can move. Yeah. He can can do anything you want him to do. (laughs) Yeah, you wrote about him this week. So, um, I mean, he's definitely going to be a big factor. Uh, But, yeah, I, I I don't see the Packers running a ton. You know, you talked about it just because the Cowboys have been really pretty good against the run. Um, and you know, why take the ball out of Rodgers' hands too much? But I think that they will try and, and do a little bit of that. They didn't have Ty Montgomery going the last time these two teams met. He was more of a receiver at that point. And they didn't have Chris Michael. Of course, they did have Eddie Lacy in the last game. So it's kind of a moot point because, you know, you know Eddie Lacy is a good running back too. But it, it's a different complexion now anyway from the run game. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, who's your hero of the day? Who do you think we're going to be talking about on Monday? Well, I mean, clearly if you're going to stop the Cowboys, and I'm looking at the Cowboys as a favorite, and I think Vegas sees it that way also, obviously. Um, I got Mike Daniels as sort of my key to the game, and it just comes down to stopping the run. And Daniels has been a, a beast against the run this year. I've been really, really impressed watching him play. Um, you know, he shoot ga- he shoots gaps. He takes on double teams. He does... He does. He's he's insanely strong. He does some things that you just don't expect from from like kind of like a big guy. You know, he moves really really well. So, um, if, if the Packers can kind of, you know, it's kind of like the whole Jordan thing. You can't stop them. You hope to contain them type of thing. Like if the Packers can kind of contain that that run offense a little bit, I think that that's what gives them a chance. And so, to me, it's Mike Daniels just on the inside and just clogging up run lanes. I have the same one. I feel like that's <laughs> I'm on the same page. I just think that yeah. he is the key to what they can do in the middle of that defense. And, you know, there are games in him that can really give Travis Frederick and those guys trouble. You know, I feel like he's yeah. going to be somebody that keeps those guys off their combos, you know, doesn't allow them to get to the linebackers, just clogs Absolutely. up space and becomes an overall problem. And that's what they're going to need. You know, the Packers are in some ways a pretty good matchup against Dallas just because their run defense is still solid. You know, their right. pass defense has its issues, but it's mostly against throws down the field, that kind of stuff. The things that we haven't seen Dallas do consistently all season. So I feel like there are definitely, you know, versions of this game where the Packers and what they do well is able to get in Dallas's way. Yeah, and I I, I actually thought you might pick Daniel, so I I had an alternate <laughs> just in case. Oh, that's funny. You know me too um, well. I'm too predictable. <laughs> no, not at all. I just think we see the game kind of similarly, but... Julius Peppers, I think, could have a big impact on this game as well. Um, just not giving Dak Prescott time. Yeah, he's been playing really well lately, I think, Peppers has. And you know, he's just such a big, old, wily vet. Like He can stop the run. He can rush the passer. He can do a lot of things. He's the type of guy that I could see just creating a turnover this week. Um, so I had Peppers in my mind as well in terms of just being disruptive, You know, not allowing Dak Prescott to sit back there and make passes. Um, and, you know, getting pressure on, on that and also playing against runs. So I think Peppers will have a big game. I, I tweeted this during the Packers-Giants game. Julius Peppers has had at least seven sacks every single year he's been in the NFL except one. <laughs> he's, done it, he, he's done it 14 times. Oh, my God. How old is he now? He's in his mid-30s. I mean, Julius Jesus. Peppers was drafted in 2002. Julius Peppers was drafted the I know, same. I, feel, I remember talking about this guy like in like high school <laughs> or something. It's like he's been around forever, man. Um, yeah, it's all you need to know is that Julius Peppers was the number two pick in a draft where Derek, or excuse me, David Carr went number one. Oh no way! The other guys, <laughs> the other guys in the top ten the year that Julius Peppers was drafted: Joey Harrington, Mike oh Williams, God. offensive tackle version, Quentin Jammer, Ryan Sims, Bryant McKinney, Roy Williams, the Cowboys' safety. Oh, wow. Yes, <laughs> it's Man, pretty incredible. I, I mean, it's <laughs> the fact that he's still playing and playing at a high level. No one would ever be surprised because he's just one of those right. all time out of this world athletes. But yep, yep. it's still pretty amazing. I miss him with all of my heart. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, he's just ageless wonder. I think someone was telling me I, this could be wrong, but I remember hearing he could he can hold a ruler <laughs> in his hand, like from thumb to pinky. He can hold a what? 
like a ruler, like a 12 inch ruler. Oh my God. That's not surprising, but it's pretty insane. <laughs> Julius I Peppers is 36 years old. That is, that is where we are right now. We've been doing this the whole time, but I let's, you know, kind of all together synthesize it. Build me a Packers upset. Well, I mean, to me, is it's it Aaron pretty... Rodgers at the quarterback for the Packers? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I wrote down. I said, Dallas can't stop Rodgers. It begins and ends with Rodgers. And yeah. we saw that last week, you know, a, a really, really good Giants defense gave up 38 points, four touchdowns, 300 and something yards to him. I mean, he's just playing like an alien right now. Like you cannot stop him. So like if Dallas can't and, and Dallas's defense is, you know, not necessarily like an amazing squad of like they don't have like an amazing secondary or anything like that, like. Like, like he was doing that against one of the best defenses in the NFL last week. Now, clearly the game is in Dallas, so it's a different dynamic. Um, and there's a lot of things that are in Dallas's favor. But to me, if, if Rodgers has a, like a game like he had last week or, or just like in the last seven games, he stays hot, then I just I think he gives Green Bay a chance to win. I think they can win. I think the biggest thing for Green Bay is that, or excuse me, for Dallas, that defense is that everyone's going to be back healthy. They get more more Claiborne back this week. Demarcus Lawrence is going to play. Tyrone Crawford's going to play. They have all their guys. So if if they're going to have the best chance they would all season, it's going to be this week because of the dudes they have. That being said, yeah. Mo Claiborne back after missing half the season is not necessarily the safest route when you're playing against a dude who's on fire, like actually <laughs> on fire. Like there's his skin right. is burning off. He's on fire. So that's going to be something to watch all game. I'm really curious as to whether those Packers receivers can win and whether Rodgers can be good enough that they just don't even have to. Right. The One of the reasons I thought Packers could give uh, the Cowboys a run for their money in the first time these two teams met is because they have a good combination of a really good offense and a really good run defense. Yep. And the Packers run defense isn't as crazy, like putting the same kind of crazy numbers up that it did early on in the year, but it's still a good run defense. Yes. And they have enough offense on that side of the ball right now. I mean, obviously the Packers have enough offense now. They have an amazing offense. And so I think that that combination kind of gives them a good chance in this game. So... I mean, that's why we're so excited about this game. It's going to be an amazing matchup. Um, Great atmosphere. It's going to be in Dallas. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets that shit-eating grin on his face when he makes big plays on the road and does his, you know, championship belt thing. And it's it's just there's there's so many so much potential for awesome, just awesome football this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to this one in particular. I totally agree. Another just one thing to mention before we move on from this game, Blake Martinez, who tweaked his knee last week, will play. So that's a huge part, okay. again, of that run defense, just having all their guys available and giving the Cowboys the best shot they can in that area. Yep, definitely. All right, all right bud. Uh, we're going to be welcomed now by Therese Paler from the Kansas City Star to break down Chiefs Steelers for a little bit. And then after that, you and I are going to give our final thoughts and we'll get the heck out of here. Sounds good. And we're not welcomed by Therese Peller from the Kansas City Star, who's one of my favorite guys that covers a team. And I wanted to have him on in advance of this because I want somebody in the know. This is a big one, and it's worth chatting about. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Rob? I am pretty excited. This is a great week of football that is just much better than what we had last week. This is a reward for the slog of the wild card round. <laughs> yeah, wild card round. Not too fun. No, not not great. And you had that I mean, not off necessarily, but you know the Chiefs weren't playing. They had a bye. They're back. Uh, first things first. You are covering a very big playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium this weekend. I have to imagine that you're looking forward to it at least a little bit. Oh yeah, I mean I, I think uh, you know B writers particularly. I mean we see a lot of football throughout the year, and I what I'd say to that is thank God I love football, right? Um, I, I think uh, you know personally. Nothing's better than January football, you know. I love January football. It's cold. I mean, this is why – this is the time of year when people fall in love with the game of football, right? So, look, whenever you get the Steelers and Chiefs together, and these are two, like, classic teams, you know, um, I, I think it's got a chance to be, like, a really fun game, the kind of game that, you know, you could watch on NFL Turning Point or uh, see on, like, one of those NFL films reviews and, you know, really kind of – kind of take to the game. I, I think these are two really good teams, too. And I think they're going to be hitting this weekend, too, baby. So, it's yeah, gonna I think it's going to be a great game. A lot of fun. And uh, what I wanted to ask you, kind of the central question I had for you before this game, it's also kind of the question I had for you before the season. With this Chiefs team, as good as they're going to be in the regular season, as much success as they have, 
it doesn't matter unless they can do better than they have in previous postseasons. And that's what I want to ask you. That's what I want to know. What is going to be different this time around? What makes this Chiefs team capable of knocking off not only the Steelers, but then perhaps beating the Patriots next week? Good question. And there's a couple reasons. There's a couple things here that you got to remember. And the first thing I think the Chiefs have going for them is that they've been here before, right? It's hard to just go to a Super Bowl. It's hard to pull like a 99 Rams and win a Super Bowl out of nowhere. Yeah, You know, that, that's hard to do. Most teams build toward it, right? There's some shared L's along the way, some tough losses, some building block moments. And if you look at this Chiefs team under Andy Reid for the last four years, by the way, there's been a ton of continuity, and that matters. Uh, they've had some really tough losses. Think of, like, the mountain they've had to climb to get to even this moment of winning the AFC West and going 12-4, and okay? So let's think about that. 2013, Andy Reid's first year, you have a great season, and then they lose in the wild card round in Indianapolis by blowing a 28-point second-half lead. Team grows from that. The next year, they miss the playoffs entirely. Still have a winning record, but, you know, you're building on that. Last year, they started 1-5, the death watch starts. Media has to start asking questions about job security. Andy Reid remains the same guy, doesn't change anything, uh, at least not, not outwardly, right? He just makes a few tweaks here, keeps his calm, his team still plays hard for him, and they bounce back to win 11 in a row, win their first playoff game in 22 years before getting bounced in New England uh, because they couldn't rush Tom Brady. That's a tough loss. A lot of people thought they could win that game. Now let's look at this year. There's expectations, right? And some teams will, under the pressure, other teams rise to it. This team, they, they rose to it. Oakland had been in first place almost all year. And the Chiefs came back at the end of the year, thanks to some help with Derek Carr going out. But <laughs> nevertheless, they won their first AFC West title uh, since 2010. My point is, they've really been building toward this moment in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and there's been playoff experience. And they know, like, look. The goal before the year was the Super Bowl. Okay, so I, I think that matters. And then if you want to talk football, technically we can do that too now. Because uh, <laughs> Tyreek Hill, oh, Hill gives them a a weapon they haven't had. This is a guy that can take it the distance from anywhere on the field. They've been missing this since Jamal got hurt, Jamal Charles. Um, so now you've got three real weapons on offense. And these are the best three weapons they've had here in a really long time on offense. And Kelsey, Macklin, and Hill. All those guys, you can't cover them all. One of them is going to get single coverage. And I think that has a chance to help take the offense to the next level, which they need to do. Um, and that starts with Alex Smith. But having those weapons will help him. Totally. And, you know, Tyreek Hill is apparently, you know, it's obvious what he's given them. But with Kelsey, it's been a little more incremental. He was a good player a couple of years ago. Now he's the most important player on that offense, arguably outside of the quarterback, which that transition has just become very huge for them kind of getting a new gear offensively. And then with Macklin, does it seem like he's going to play this weekend? Macklin? Oh, yeah. Macklin's playing. Okay. Wild horses couldn't keep him from playing. He's playing. <laughs> yeah, he's a tough yeah, dude. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I very much know that. Yeah, and he, he spoke to us. Um, this week, which is an indication he'll play, of course. Um, yeah, like, just trust me. He, he played through whatever that lower body injury was last year. Um, Lord knows what he had to take to play through that against the, <laughs> against the Patriots. Because remember the week before that? He yeah. His, uh, yeah, so like, he played through that. Like, trust me, he's a tough guy. He's going to be he's gonna be ready to go. And the other side, you, know, you talked about that pass rush against New England last year. And I feel like... On defense for them, it's kind of a mixed bag of injuries. You know, you have Justin Houston coming back, and I'll ask you about that in a second. But then you lose a guy like Derek Johnson, and then Jay Howard's been gone for most of the year. But guys in the middle of the yeah. defense have gone down, but the guys on the edge have come back. So in your mind, is Justin Houston playing because it's the playoffs and he's going to play, or do you feel like he's back to where he was, say, when he came back against Denver in terms of his health? I think he's playing because he has to play. Um, I don't know that, though. I, none of it, the truth is none of us know how he's going to be until he gets out there. Sure. Uh, you know, it's never a great sign when a guy's got swelling and a surgically repaired knee. But the fact is they're going to need him. Um, hopefully the weather for the Chiefs, hopefully the weather's not too bad. And he'll be able to give them their typical run defense. Cause Jesus, Le'Veon Bell, man, I've never seen a guy that's so patient. He just waits and he waits and he waits and he waits. And he lets that giant line he's got 
wear down people and it empowers them to keep playing through the whistle and be physical. And he just waits and waits and waits and waits and waits. And then the moment there's a, a hole, poop, he's right on through it. Glider. You know, he's a, he's a really good back. My point is, like, you know, this is a guy, you need as many solid run defenders as you can get, especially with the fact Derek Johnson isn't in there. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough for the Chiefs to probably be able to hold Le'Veon Bell down with an even box. I think Barry's going to have to cheat down, and they're going to have to take their chances with the passing game, which could actually play in their benefit if the weather is poor and the field footing isn't very good. But, again, we'll see what they end up doing. I totally agree. And usually in the past, even last season, if you were going to defend the Steelers, you were going to say, all right, they really like to sling it around the yard. You know, they have Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown and Roethlisberger's really tuned in, and they could push it down the field. But right now, it just feels like first and foremost, the way they want to build that offense is with Bell. And then you look at the Chiefs' run defense, like you said, no Derek Johnson. This team finished 26th in run defense DVOA. They gave up 4.4 yards a carry. It's not a good run defense. So in order to even have a prayer of slowing him down, that's right. I think you're going to have to walk Barry down. You're going to have to have that be your number one priority and say to the Steelers, you haven't shown an ability to beat people over the top in 10 weeks. We're going to make you do it against us. Well, one thing the Steelers do do, I'll tell you this, you know, I, 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 I watched like seven of their games. I, I watched the same amount of tape this week to get ready. Um, I, I think, <laughs> one, uh, you know, I mean, you know how it is, Rob. I, you know, I got fun. you, man. I got you. Um, by the way, I'm going to plug my Chiefs game plan. I wrote 4,500 words on the Steelers, a scouting report. I think it's very good. A lot of people have read it. It's good. Um, and my, one thing I did notice when I was watching this game um, is that uh, watching these games, that hey, you know, like Sammy Colts and Kobe Hamilton, and I, I do like Eli Rogers, but like some of these other guys the Steelers have, you know, they'll throw deep to these guys. That's how they try to keep you off balance. Like Roethlisberger, he's not afraid. He'll – Look, it's going to be Bell and Brown, right? There's going to be a lot of those guys. But then they mix in the short passes, the Jesse James over the middle. And they also throw the short passes, the Eli Rogers over the middle. But the Hamilton and Colts, they will throw deep to those guys a couple times a game just to keep you honest. Um, and I think, you know, that's, I think it's a really well-designed offense. I think Haley's done a really nice job with the Steelers offense. Um, it's a really impressive kind of game plan they've got here. Um, and I, I think the thing that Chiefs are going to have to do is kind of, you know, something's going to have to walk that guy down. But, you know, you don't want to give the Steelers a ton of big play opportunities either because Big Ben will turn it over a little bit if you make him go the length of the field. So I think it's going to be an interesting mix for Sutton. I don't think he can just stay – in the you know in the, without number in the box a little I, he's gonna have to pick his poison a little bit between the twenties and then really lock down in the red zone and thankfully for the Chiefs they've been really good at that I mean they'll give you the yards between the twenties but more often than not you're coming out of the red zone with a field goal it's a bend but don't break defense they've been good at it all year yeah absolutely and I think that's gonna be the number one key that the Chiefs have to have on defense this is a team that's just so good at being opportunistic defensively and they'll take the ball away from you and Roethlisberger's not afraid to hand you one or two and that's gonna be what possibly swings the game so I, I totally agree I think we're on the same page yeah man I look uh, I think it's gonna be a fun game to watch at the end of the day it's gonna come down I think it's gonna come down to whether or not this offense can match the Steelers because the Steelers are getting their points Right, like we, you're not holding them to like seven points or something. They're gonna get theirs, and they're gonna drive the length of the field too. I think it'll be a big yardage day for the Steelers. The Chiefs are gonna have to force some timely turnovers. They're gonna have to keep them out of that end zone and holding the field goal. And then the Chiefs' offense is gonna have to score. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to come away with some touchdowns. And a special team score from Ty Hill wouldn't hurt either. But you know, um, yeah, you can run on the Steelers a little too, Rob. You know, you can do it up the middle. Now their defense has looked a little better, a little more like the ones we're used to seeing recently, but you know, you can, you can pound up the middle on them a little bit. So Spencer Ware could have a day and you've given Andy Reid two weeks to prepare, but he should have some stuff dialed up for this game. It's a winnable game for the chiefs, but it is 50, 50. It's a coin flip, baby. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, man. Thanks for doing this. I'm pumped for this weekend. I know that you are. Hopefully the chiefs will be, Heading on, and if they do, we'll definitely get you back doing this again, and it's always fun. So enjoy the weekend, and we'll chat soon. Okay, man. Take it easy. See you.
All right, Danny, give me a couple parting shots about Steelers uh, Chiefs. What are you looking for? Who do you think comes up big? The main thing I'm looking for in this game is if the Chiefs can stop the run, because if they can't stop Bell, then I think that the Steelers can run away with this game. And right now, I mean, the Steelers obviously are playing well on offense. They have a lot of ways to beat you, but the Chiefs have not been a great run defense team. And so to me, that's still one of the biggest things. They were 26 against the run this year per DVOA, 26th in yards, 20th in yards per attempt. So, I mean, if, if Bell can just go off, then that, that makes it, I think it just makes it hard for the Chiefs to win this one. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I feel like the, the Steelers just have so much in that running game, and their line is healthy, they're playing so well. It's going to be tough. And like Therese and I were talking about, if you have to bring Barry down and as a way to counteract that, yeah. are the Steelers able to hit a couple shots? I feel like Absolutely. the Steelers not having Ladarius Green is a big part of this game. I feel like that if he were playing, I know he's been out for a little while, but he's the type of guy that could take advantage of a team down the middle of the field if they do mm-hmm. have to bring Barry down. I'll be curious to see if the Steelers have the firepower to say, we will burn you if you come up. Because they haven't shown yeah. that to me in a while, and I think that if they're going to beat a team like New England, or they're going to go head-to-head with a team like we're going to see from the NFC side of things, that element of their offense needs to be there, and I think we're going to find out if it is this week. Yeah, and the other the other factor that goes right into that, and this is something that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, is that Ben Roethlisberger is much worse on the road. Yeah. Um, his road stats right now, through you know through the last game, the playoff game, is seventy eight passer rating, fifty nine percent completions, nine touchdowns, eight picks, and the Steelers went five and three. And sorry, and then at, at home, which included last week, he has one hundred and fifteen passer rating, seventy percent completions, eight point six yards per attempt, twenty two touchdowns, and seven picks. And the Steelers are six and one, so he's much much worse. I mean, 115 passer rating drops down to 78 on the road. That's a huge huge swing. So yep. I don't know. It depends on what version we get of him this week. I wrote about that a couple of weeks ago. I know it's kind of just an obvious thing. Like if you need it, you need a good quarterback. But I think that Bell is good enough. Even if if Ben hasn't doesn't have like a great game, if he's, as long as he's not turning the ball over, I think they can still win. Uh, just because they have Bell running the ball so well. I totally agree. All right, buddy. That uh, That's all we got. That's all we got this week. Football <laughs> is going to be here, and I'm very excited. I'm going to be in New England, which is probably Sweet. not the most exciting game to be at, but, you know, <laughs> it's still playoff football. And I just – that's that she, uh, Steelers-Chiefs game, Arrowhead's going to be rocking. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is going to be incredible. I am very excited to take it all in. All right, man. Thank you for doing this. As always, you guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. 